1: Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I am your host Manuel Wef, all the way from Moscow. And joining me,
2: Tim, I'm in your motherland. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I feel great because I'm, I'm sure and I know that you're having a great time. So I'm very excited and happy for you so that you're the part of the World Cup. And I'm excited to talk to you. We have quite a lot to cover, obviously, after the group stage of the World Cup. So uh, today's episode is going to be fun.
1: You say that. I mean, I'm absolutely steamrolled from this World Cup. I mean, it's been just, it's been crazy. I, I've been, I've been moving around. I feel, um, today's day 15 because I know this because I'm keeping a daily diary <laughs> online. So this is day 15. And I tell you, it's been, it's, it feels like it's, I've been here for months. Um, <laughs> and it's really not been that long. I'm not complaining because I get to cover the World Cup. So this is not supposed to be a complainy podcast. I'm just saying today is uh, the first day and there's no matches on. And, um, it's been hard staying awake today. I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. But, well, but still, I'm still excited for you because, uh, that's great. You've seen so many g- good games. You've been to great, beautiful stadiums. Uh, and this is what we're going to talk about.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess we have to talk about the group stage. I mean, we had now two weeks of football constant football, sometimes four games a day. Um, I guess we have to really start with the biggest surprises of the group stage. I mean, we're not going to go through every single group, but I mean, we can sort of glance at them. um And I think we have to really start with group A. And I know, Tim, we weren't too optimistic about Russia and the Spornaya going into this tournament. And then match day one comes around, and they play Saudi Arabia. And I think we all were a little surprised. I mean, yes, Saudi Arabia are not the world beaters, but uh, Russia absolutely crushed them. I mean, what were your reactions from this game?
2: That was a total pleasant surprise because, yeah, like you said, we've we've talked in the preview pods, and we didn't really give Russia any chances. And based on the pre-tournament games, they were absolutely. Yeah, horrible. I would not probably um, exaggerate by using this word. Um, there was no really expectations. The expectations were very low, and then Russia comes back with a wonderful start to the tournament with five nothing and a pretty pretty good game as well. It wasn't just just a fluke. Five nothing. Uh, they played well. Of course, it was um, against Saudi Arabia, which a lot of people outlined. Uh, but uh, just going a little bit back, everything. Since Stanislav Cherchesov started working with the team, we questioned some of his decisions. But what I personally kind of was saying, I really understood his strategy and his long-term tactics. It might not have been, um, you know, the best generation of of Russian players. It might have not been the um, the right choice of opponents like the game against Dinamo Moscow which we just made fun on the spot so much but at the same time everything what stanislav chechev said and done it made sense to me from the football point of view he made decisions uh, it was all football decisions and the decisions he makes right now in in the world cup it's all football decisions and by football decisions i mean um, the decisions which are understood by players and which make sense uh, from you know from the players point of view from the professionals point of view and uh, he might not lucked out because, um, uh, because, yeah, we, because, like I said, the generation of players is not. But everything what he's done made sense. He didn't really do any anomaly stuff. He did, he did really logical steps and, um, he proved himself. Like, you know, those are those steps and all the preparation for the past two years, in my opinion, um, uh, made sense and the result is definitely, um, what, uh, how, how in Russia? We uh, have the saying: they jump, jumped above their heads. They definitely did uh, outperform what was expected out of them. But it, I think, uh, this time we have to really, really praise Tenislav Cherchesov for everything he's done. And regardless of what happens in the game against Spain, uh, Russia already achieved the biggest um, result in their history. So everything what happened is, I think, this time we really need to praise the coach.
1: Yeah, I would go along with that. I mean, and the mustache we, we trust, right, is one of the big yeah. sayings. here. Um, it's very funny that um that seems to be sort of the slogan, but I mean, it it's it's working. And I thought it was really interesting when I was at the second game against Egypt, where I th- I thought that would be a much more tricky game for them. Of course, Mohamed Salah, he was out. There's a lot a lot of discontent in the Egypt camp, right? with the training camp being in Chechnya and uh, the budding up with Kadyrov. So I think that caused a lot of discontent in the camp. But at the same time, Russia absolutely crushed them. And I mean, we, we all saw the running stats. They were absolutely unbelievable. Um, very, very good numbers. And I thought it was really interesting how they approached the game and how they tactically changed the game and how Chechesov pretty much, I mean, it, to some extent he was forced to play, um, Cheryshev and Suba, right? But, bringing on Cheryshev for me w- was one of the the best things that could, that could have happened to Russia for Zagorov because I think he is a much more dynamic player and he fits fits the profile much better than Zagorov does because Zagorov is sort of a holding midfielder right who slows the game down at times and
2: Cheryshev has really brought a lot more speed into the spot, See this is what I call what I what I would call the footballing decisions because when um, you know we sat on the spot again and Lots of people in Russia know that Cherishov, he is a volatile player. He could be an amazing player, but he's in and out of form. He's not consistent. Uh, and uh, how Cherishov explained why Cherishov was the first player to come on, because he had other choices like Miranchuk brothers. He said, we've been watching and he's right now in the best form. So he uh, he didn't really, he, did, he picked the player who, in his opinion, was in the best form, and he was right. The second decision about Zuba also, um, I'm completely, as much as, I'm really enjoying Russia's performance in the World Cup. To me Feder Smolov is just like the really Again, I, I might use a bit of a bigger w- words, but he's an embarrassment of the team because we hoped so much and it's not really the way he plays. It's his attitude. There's no energy. The whole team is running around like crazy. And he, I don't see the passion. If it's, if it's his big, biggest tournament and if this is the tournament where he tries to sell himself to Europe, you need to try so hard. And really, I'm so disappointed. It's his performance. It's just, it just really, um, slow pace running around the field. There's no, there's no nothing. Like I'm but but yeah uh, but again Cherchesov saw that and then mm. he saw put on Zuba who was just like a ball of energy regardless of how you feel about Zuba, Zuba just showed, I'm here to fight, here's the passion. And then he made this change, and then again those changes they come from not from like some kind of tactical analysis or maybe some hopes that this player will be your leader. He really based decisions on who who played the best? Who was the best in the training camp? This is going back to Cherishov because he said that Cherishov was ready to be. He was the number one uh, player to come on. And we saw that. We saw that Cherishov right now, he is, he is in a good form. Because like I said, everyone in Russia knows that Cherishov is inconsistent. Right now, he's in a good form. Let's use him. If he would have been not in the in the good form, like he was in the past because he was not the part of the two years preparation for the World Cup. That he, he he didn't deserve. So I think, um, Chichester has been very, very fair and very, you know, cold, no emotions mm-hmm. in terms of choosing the players. Yes, you are, you are in a good form, regardless of how you feel, regardless how you, you know, how you play, you are. And, uh, now I kind of understand and start slowly respecting. I still, I'm still mad that Glushakov is not on the team, but now it makes sense to me because really he's, he said in the interviews and I, he, I mean, uh, Chichester, that he, picked the players based on the current form i know that Glushakov wasn't in the good form in the end of the season and now again that what we've seen at the tournament that justifies his decision Glushakov wasn't in, in his form he wasn't picked that's why maybe Cherishov was picked because he saw the Cherchev right mm-hmm. now and we know that in the end of spanish season he was in the good form he played this uh, good game Good, good few games for, for Villarreal. I didn't know how go, good of a form he but he showed up to the training camp. And again, Cherezhov made the right decision. So, again, I think this is really, really big, big thanks and big praise to the coach of national team. And as much as we criticize him on the spot, we probably have to go back on our words, and this time we have to say good job.
1: Now, what's the end of the road for this team? I mean, we're going to talk um about the, the round of 16 in, in more detail in a few moments and, of course, the later stages of the tournament. But I guess the real quick, big question is, what is the end of the road for this team? Um, and in some ways, the, the third match against Uruguay, I guess, is a little bit of a disappointment. But there was a lot of squad rotation that's going on. And um a lot of people that I talked to and the sentiment in general is that um, the Russians themselves are really happy that they finished second because it means that the game is going to be at the Luzhniki rather than in Sochi, right? Um, of course, they have to get and go to Sochi if they do go through. Um, again, uh, something that I want to talk in greater detail a little bit further down. But is this expectations fulfilled? Or are we going to fall into a massive hole now if the, the game against Spain? Um, and I guess that is really much the expectation if that's the end of the road.
2: Uh, i don't think it will be a, a big disappointment uh because if you if you remember 2008 10 years ago when russia uh won over netherlands in the quarter final of the euro that was the that was kind of like the same not the same it was bigger but in terms of emotions it was kind of the same Emotions as winning uh, over Saudi Arabia and Egypt. Of course, the opponents were different, but in terms of just like pe- people being excited and, about the national team, and uh, you obviously remember that in, in that we just completely crushed in the semi-final against Spain at uh, that Euro. Nobody really remembers that game. Everyone remembers the glorious performance against Netherlands. So, uh, and everyone has very good feelings about that Euro two thousand eight campaign, uh, which was again the the biggest, the best one in in the history of modern Russia. Uh, so, I don't think, you know, even, even if we lose to Spain in, in ridiculous manner, it will be a big disappointment because Russia already achieved everything. And we all understand that, that, um, you, you know, we already did enough to, to, to be proud of our team. Uh, but, uh, Again, you know, I still have five to 10% hope that maybe, maybe this will be. I think uh, Russia can win over Spain in only one condition. If Spain has a horrible game and we play the best game in the history of all those players and the coaching stuff, uh, the chances, like I said, is probably five to 10, but there are chances because the Spain hasn't been that impressive. They had this absolutely crazy and insane, uh, coach change, which looks like affected the team because the spain hasn't been um that impressive in the group but at the same time none of the last world cup winners were crazy and super impressive in the group so speaking of brazil speaking on spain and about a few other teams which we'll talk in the future the performance in the group doesn't really justify your ambition of winning the world cup because so i to it's hard to say it's Like I said, we have five to ten percent chances. And if magic happens in Russia, somehow goes past Spain, then it just it it will be insane. It will be the biggest achievement in the history of modern Russia, and it will be crazy. What do you feel? How do you feel based on what you've seen in in terms of Spain in the group?
1: Well, I guess we have to now talk about that group, and (laughs) might as well just jump into um, looking ahead to that match um i have spain you know all the big teams have struggled struggled at this tournament i've seen seen them all live um i've seen of course you know we're going to talk about germany in a moment i've seen them live i've seen france live i've seen spain live i've seen brazil in stadium um and all those matches they they were matches where the um favorites struggled um to one extent to another and uh, the reason for that in pretty much all those matches were that the opposition the so-called smaller country was very good in their defensive work you know nowadays physically um, they are all in top condition and then you have to remember that the teams with the from the bigger countries they also tend to have players that play in the bigger leagues and have more games under their belt by the time this world cup comes around which in my opinion is a huge factor, right? So if you are France and you have, I mean, you have someone like Griezmann who was in the Europa League final, who was in the Europa League final, you know, they, they, he will have played 50-plus games. And then you pitch him against someone like Australia where you have a, a guy play from um, Aston Villa, for example. Yes, they had 44 league games and that's about it, right? Or... Um, you know what I mean? It's someone like Ruby Cruz, yeah, yeah. You know that they have their thirty-four league games in the second division, and then they have a have literally have a month off ahead yeah. of the tournament. And I think that's quite a big factor. You you see with a lot of the big clubs, big teams, that they there seems to be almost an overplayedness in in certain ways. That I mean, I was at at uh, at the, the Spain, and you, let's, you, let's stay with Spain for you because that is the opponent for Russia. Um, I, there's almost a lack of creativity that's coming from um, a mental tiredness um, in a certain way, and I think what's going to be really interesting to watch, and this is something that I've noticed quite a lot with Spain, is they um, are very good, of course, at cycling the ball, and cycling the ball, they do that to tire out the opposition, right? In other words, if you have the ball, you keep possession, you keep passing, the opposition has to run, and they have to run a lot, and eventually the opposition will get tired, and as a result you they will make mistakes and then that's how spain capitalizes that's most of the time the game plan it's quite simple or seems simple it's of course not because it's very difficult mm-hmm. to execute but i think that's really much the game plan now you have a site like russia and and i think the first two games are much more of a benchmark than the third um and i don't know how they have managed it i mean um there's some articles that are inciting that there's doping involved i don't think so because there's the the the, the kilometers that they're running are not unhuman you know we have many players in leagues that have run kilometers like that and it's if you have a team that's lacking um technically and tactical ability you can train them to be fit i mean this is one thing that every they're all athletes and that's something that you can train right it's it's not a it's not a skill that you're born with i mean Being fit is something you can learn uh, or you can train yourself towards, too. So I think they very much identified that. And then then you have to keep in mind the Russian League is 16 teams. It's a bit smaller. Many of the players will have a better fitness because of uh, the long break in the winter. So those are things, those are factors that will help Russia, right? And so I think they can't be tired out like Spain likes to do with a lot of their opponents.
2: And I just wanted to follow up something that I wanted to say in the previous Russia chapter, because uh, uh Cherchesov was really good at that. All his teams, which we saw in Russian Premier League, his uh, Terek, his Amkar, especially mm. Amkar, his Dynamo, uh, Amkar was a, a good example, because that was a side which has lower quality, quality of players compared to the rest of the league, which is similar to this Russia side, and they were always un- unbelievably fit and physically uh strong. No. So... I think this is what, just of his strong side, and this is what he's using in this tournament. Russia is the third country which ran the most in the tournament and the best country in terms of running, I think, kilometers, which moved to the playoff. So, uh, exactly this is what you're saying. So if the, if the Spain just passing the ball around without really creating any clinical chances, I think Russia has enough, um, physical condition to just watch that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think they, they, they will, would be able to hit them on the break because I think Russia also has, uh, the most players run at the most sprints, at least, um, after match day two. I, I haven't really gotten the match day three stats in, uh, in front of me, but I remember quite clearly, um, when I wrote the preview for match day three, that was one of the, um, that was one of the big things that I kept, that I, that I noticed, right? That the, the amount of sprints that they ran. And that's something that is going to be a key factor in that match. So I think there is, um, Spain's, Spain's strengths, Will not necessarily be optimum against um to play out Russia's weaknesses. I guess to sum it up. And remember the friendly in November was a 3 3. Yeah. Right. So I, I think there will be goals in that game and I and then it's going to be Delushniki. Um I'm going to be Delushniki as well. I've been accredited for that match, so I'm very much looking forward nice. to that. Um this is, of course we're going to cover that in depth. Um and I think it's going to be very loud. It's, and oh, yeah. I think being in Moscow is going to be a lot better for the Sport than having to go down to Sochi, right? I mean, Sochi is, is beautiful. I absolutely love Sochi. It's it's a beautiful stadium as well. It's one of my favorite stadiums at this World Cup. But, um, it's also a tourist area, right? Um, I mean, it's like having Spain having to play in Mallorca, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's comparable to that. And, uh, I think that at the capitals, Russia is going to have a much bigger chance in terms of fan support. This Luzhniki is going to be nuts. Um, I, think.
2: I think, yeah, that's that's the good, like, well, it's not a good decision, but it's good how it worked out because, yeah, like, uh, uh Luzhniki against Saudi Arabia, uh, it wasn't really, we didn't really have any organized fans, but still the noise was there. And uh, the players uh, hear that 80,000 support and, um, yeah, and being in Moscow, I think, I think it's, uh, it's all those little factors. I think works obviously in Russia favor because they're the host of the tournament. Uh but yeah, like that gives a like I said, that what gives that five ten percent chances. And the reason I'm not saying it's like fifty fifty or like you know thirty seventy, because really obviously the the quality of Spain players are way above the quality of Russian players and then individual one on one you know, players like like <laughs> anyway, you know, Diego Costa even playing against Ignashevich and Kudiev. That's just different caliber mm. of players. Uh, but um, yeah, Russia has those little things which work in their favor. Be, being and being the host, and also being, from what we saw, very physically ready. So yeah, we we have a little bit. Um, yeah, let's let's move on to some something else because we have again a lot of to talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, what were some of the big surprises for you, Tim, other than the Russia side? I'm really curious because, I mean, I'm here and uh, you kind of live in your World Cup bubble.
2: But I'm really (laughs) curious,
1: what have been the big stories sort of um, that have been catching on about this World Cup away from the World Cup?
2: Uh, see for me the biggest thing was which I was pretty confident before everything happened that the world cup will will go well there's not going to be because all those english articles about uh, that uh, the hooligans are training to beat up english fans <laughs> i knew it i knew it was complete nonsense because yeah. that doesn't happen they were selling bad news because because of you know why because that political because of the, the the world cup that it went not to england that it went to russia uh it's it was complete nonsense and i was i knew because russian people are good hosts uh, regardless Regardless of any problems which we have like on political stage, people as a nation, we are good hosts. And uh, I knew that the World Cup will go well. And everything what I heard, there's, there's, of course, there's small incidents like in every big tournament, but you have a, m- massive uh, groups of people gathering together. There are some little issues, but those issues are like just really just doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Uh, but overall experience from what I hear from all over the world, um, and you're there, so you can confirm or deny that, but the, the yeah. experience has been great. Yeah, the experience has been
1: fantastic, Tim. And I'm, I'm with you. I mean, we, how often have we said before this tournament? I mean, the first episode, World Cup episode we did was all about Russia as a host, right? And how, how good of a tournament this is going to be. And organizational wise, this has been brilliant. Um, I've been traveling around on the free trains that the Russian government has provided for fans and journalists. And um, we're going to have the, the not the next World Cup, but the World Cup after that in the United States. And, you know, Russia is a big country. There's there's big distances. So it's a very, it can be a very difficult place to get around, but these free trains are great. Uh, So Uh it really, it really helps you get around. And I can't see the United States doing something similar than the <laughs> Russians did. I mean, the, the Americans are going to make a huge corporate event out of this. They're going to overcharge on plane tickets. They're going to overcharge on train tickets. They're going—I mean, they're going—if—if—if if, if you know, if there's air World Cup air to breathe, the Americans will charge for it, right? And <laughs> um, this has not been the case here. I mean, you can travel around this country um, on a shoestring if you want to, and that's really great because it is a great big country. And I can make it sometimes daunting um, to do certain journeys. But, I mean, I've been on the train to St. Petersburg twice. I've been on the K train to Kazan. I'm doing the uh, quarterfinal in Sochi, Tim, and I'm taking the nice. train down. Um, it's a 24-hour train ride. I'm Hmm. I'm I'm very excited, a little scared. I'm not too scared. (laughs) I have done the Trans-Siberian. Nothing can really shock me. But it's (laughs) um it's going to be a great experience. I'm not going to lie. I I paid for a flight back. I I thought one way is enough, but it's going to be a great story. And of course, it's something that we're going to share on footballgrad.com. But I think that's that's a fantastic way because you really get to know the la the country. Uh, the people, because the trains are mixed. So you always have Russians. I have I had Russian journalists in my train. You have journalists from other countries. Sometimes journalists and fans are mixed. So it's really interesting. You meet a lot of people. You get to chat with people. They ask you where you're from. What have you been doing? How did you like the tournament? How are you? How, how do you feel about Russia is a question that you hear a lot. And I think that's, that's just really great. And I think that's been really one of the, for me, one of the really big positives that the way Russia has managed to to handle this, to, to get people together in a, in a sense by doing something simple as, and I mean, as I said in one of my videos, the train is a big part of the Soviet and post-Soviet tradition, yeah. isn't it? Right? And yeah, train yeah. travel is a big tradition. So I really feel like they have managed quite well to bring that tradition to the fans. It's, it's a really unique kind of experience. So that's been, to echo your nice surprise, that's been one of mine. Um, definitely yeah. enjoyed um, that a lot.
2: I'm very, very glad to hear that because really that's, well, I was confident that this this will happen, but, uh, it's, it's nice to hear from you because you were, you're, you're, you're there, um, in terms of surprises with you, like I was talking positive negatives because with the negatives we, I we guess share. One. We
1: have to kind of go to the negatives now, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I yeah. know where you're going to go with this term. We might as well get it over. Like they take the bandaid and <laughs> rip it right off. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, let let me start because I, I this is this is the section of the pod where I will be asking you questions because uh, you, you are there and unfortunately would we'll have to talk about it. But um, obviously, what happened is the the first question. But to me, it is I really want to sense your idea based on what I saw. And uh, to me, I think you know we know that German players. They have very, you know, world champions. They have the um, great quality of players, and to to me, it was something in preparation or like in from something that was came from the coaching staff. I don't want to throw Joachim Löw under the train, but really, to me, I think that was that was something the issue because in your preview or oh, sorry in your video on facebook you said that um you know the games the friendly games before the tournament kind of gave you a little bit of suspicions that ev- not, not everything is great but at the same time you know we, we both saw russia and russia was absolutely horrible in the tournament and then they 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 made it to to good good in the tournament what do you think happened in the is this solely the coaching staff problem? Because Germany has good players, but they didn't play football on, in the tournament.
1: Yeah, I, I maintain that friendlies mean nothing. Uh, I think what I meant to say with that is that we all thought friendlies mean nothing and that, um, and I think the players included, they thought they could just switch it on by the time the tournament came and they didn't. And that's maybe arrogance. Maybe that's planning. That's coaching. I think Joachim Löw has to answer a lot of questions in terms of coaching um, simply because i think one of the big problems that i had with this squad and you know i was at the confederations cup last summer was that of course last summer we were all excited about this team we were excited about the way they were playing football we were excited about the tactical innovations that Lough brought about. We're excited about all these new young players that were in the squad mm-hmm. and that really took this tournament by storm and dominated this tournament. There was not a single match last year where that team was in any doubt, right? I mean, they, the Mexico, yeah. Mexico team that they played, the very I say they played the very same Mexico team, almost identical squad. Um, the only thing that was different was the Germany squad, right? And the team <laughs> last year destroyed Mexico 4-1, and the team this year lost one nil, and they deservedly lost that game one nil. So I think what really happened to him is that um, Le fell into a trap. He had, and I think there's almost a comparison to 1990-1994, only that, of course, in 1990-1994, we had to combine two teams in 1990-1994. We had that... Very talented generation of East German players and we had the team that won the World Cup. We had to throw them together. It was difficult, it didn't work. Then of course, this year we had the nineteen we had the twenty seventeen generation, a golden generation of players that won the Confederation Cups, like like a walk in the park, right? And then mm-hmm. we had the twenty fourteen World Cup winners. Löw had to throw together those two teams. It didn't work, and I think they, they, that that was one of the main issues. That there was almost like these two camps, these two sets of players, and for whatever reason, that didn't work. The the, the chemistry was never achieved. Now you can point at various things. You, you can point at the Recep Erdogan incident, right? That caused a lot of distress inside the squad. A lot of things talked about, or the lack of the way the DFB handled that situation. Um, isn't th- the story
2: with uh, uh, ozil.
1: uh ozil and Gundogan meeting the turkish president in london yeah, and giving yeah. him a shirt that was unnecessary and um of course i don't think the player should have been thrown out but i think the DFB should have probably handled it a lot different um shouldn't have just said okay that the, the topic is now concluded we don't want to talk about it anymore it wasn't the way to handle it because it caused a lot of um, problems between the, the team and the fans, and then of course certain certain segments of the team that didn't think that the situation was handled right. The next thing was the camp. Um, they had the CSKA Moscow training camp, and um, uh, you know anyone who knows Moscow, that's a far way out in the middle of nowhere. In Brazil, of course, they were on the beach. Last year in uh, the 2017 tournament, they were in Sochi, also on the beach. You know, it's very. So I, I mean, I, Sochi is nice, man. Uh, Sochi is one of the <laughs> nicest places I've ever been to. I can understand why the players prefer being in Sochi over Tinki outside in the woods in Moscow. Uh, I, I get <laughs> it. And I think that's an important part, right? Um, the, the, the players, um, the camp caused a lot of discontent and it caused a lot of discontent between Löw and the management staff around Oliver Bierhoff. So there was an issue there. There was a lot of focus on non-football aspects like hashtags, um, best never rest, commercial deals. Um, they were, the, 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 the branding of the Mannschaft, um, which is an American term, right? Um, the German team in Germany was always called the Nationalmannschaft, not the Mannschaft. That's, but there has been an overbranding. And that has sort of caused like a lot of little, little, little tiny little needle, needle things, you know, that really kind of took apart the squad cohesion. And then for me the the final nail in the coffin was the fact that Louvre never went with that three five two that he used last year to great effect. Yeah. With and I I you know, only one player um that played last year regularly and wasn't in the squad before that, was Timo Werner. There was no mm-hmm. Leon Goretzko regularly playing. Draxler didn't really really fit into the squad very well either. And you have to remember Timo Werner, Goretzka, Draxler, of course, Stindl as well. He couldn't have made the tournament because he's injured. They carried this team last year. And you can argue even that Ter Stegen and Goal would have maybe been a better choice. Uh, I don't think Neuer made any big major mistakes, but maybe it, it would have changed the chemistry of everything, right? And that's that's questions that need to be answered. And I think Löw was very courageous last year um, because he wasn't under a lot of pressure last year. So mm-hmm. he played a formation and he experimented and he evolved the team into the right direction. And then this year, under pressure, he got scared, he got cold feet, and he miscoached the team. He went back to a tactic that was four years old and it was outdated with players that no longer uh, had the hunger to win the World Cup. So in a nutshell, I've been talking for three and a half minutes <laughs> that's
2: the wrap <laughs> just to pick up where you left and I think um, uh, again I, I will be comparing it to Russia but everything you say it seems like um, you know blending two players and uh, sort of two group of players uh, and you know he still picked the, the people who won the World Cup uh, in majority so he kind of went compared to Stanislav Chechesov who again, I will repeat this again, who didn't take Denis Glushakov, and I was very mad about it, but he proved that he took players in form, not based on the previous um, successes yeah. or their status in the team, and seems like Yogilov didn't do that, because uh, players who played Confederations Club almost didn't feature. Um, that uh, What I said is a perfect example between Noir and Ter Stegen. I don't think it was the key decision, because Neuer didn't really make any dis- mistakes, because you know, the last goal in his career doesn't really mean anything, uh, but that was that was kind of, that was illustrates a decision, because Ter probably proved to be the number one goalie, based on everything that happened to Neuer, but Neuer still was picked, and that was the same story with a lot of players. I felt like um, even Royce had not such a horrible tournament, but I felt like he was given a chance just because as a, on a human basis that because he had so many injuries and missed so many previous world cups he was just given a chance but because Royce was, was one
1: of the best players in that tournament yeah
2: yeah 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 you know, know. i agree yeah. i agree with you but i'm just saying i'm not saying not on the performance based on just Yugoslavia's decisions it wasn't you know what i mean like why he picked those players
1: so Royce for me wasn't an issue you know he scored six goals in 10 games before he got into the tournament he was in form I and mean, he was actually one of mm. the one of the few. um Few players that made a difference. I am, a lot of people are picking on Tony Crows. I actually thought he was excellent as well. Um, he was one of the few players who really tried to make something happening. And Timo Werner as well. Timo Werner was a little lost, in my opinion. Um, he, he, there's a player that didn't fit the 4-2-3-1, right? Because last year they played 3-5-2 and he had, he had a partner. He had a striking partner. He had someone to play with and he needs that because he likes to drift out left, right? But when he drifts out left, that the box is empty. So, mm-hmm. and last year there th- would have been Sandro Wagner in that box or Lars Stindl, right? Um, and um, this year that that wasn't the case. So, again, he had players and uh, Goretzka. I mean, he played Goretzka on the right wing against South Korea just because he thought he had to play him, right? But he didn't want to change his formation for it. But Goretzka is best fit in in uh, a half and a half uh, position in a three five two midfield right, so he because he's stronger through the center because he's an athletic and strong player, so again it 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 just didn't you know it just didn't his coaching his, his tactical coaching just didn't fit, and it's not like that he's a bad coach, he just because we've seen that he's a good coach right um it's just that he 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 almost tinkered too much and it didn't it just didn't work this time
2: yeah i'm um, it's 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 really sad because, and you know what actually makes me even more sad that they d- really didn't deserve. It, it wasn't like a fluke situation; it was like a mistake on VAR, on some missed chances. Really, Germany played very poorly this tournament, and that's yeah. what kind of to me that's the biggest set, the the upset. But, you know, they had chances, and you can say that in Korea game they just needed to score, but really the way they played, it's not even about the chances. It's it wasn't
1: the same team. It was mechanical. And you know what makes me really upset this, Tim, is when, you know, this, this is of course, um, continuing a trend because Italy went out in 2010, right? Spain in 2014. 2002 was France. So the trend at the world champion goes out, but those teams were all at the end of a cycle. Mm-hmm. This team is not at the end of a cycle. In fact, it's between, um, it's, it's, it has the player personnel. All the key players are in the the best age, and there's enough young players in the side um, that have the potential to, on their own, win tournaments. So I think this is really the most upsetting part for me, that this team, by all accounts, on paper, this team should have competed for the World Cup. And if a team like Germany does not compete for the World Cup with the squad that they're sending, then then you really have see, to ask questions. Like, why see, this, was it not possible, right?
2: This is why I'm asking questions to you, Agilov, because we know that the players are good and they know how to play top football. Uh, there's a disconnect between that, their ability to play football and what they actually yeah. played on the field.
1: I absolutely agree with you. But, th- I mean, that brings us to the, the big question. Um, where are we going to make the change for that, right? How are we going to uh, make what changes need are need, needed right now and um, I've been mulling this over I had a lot of time to mull this over and uh, you know Chris wrote an excellent article I wrote my thoughts on footballgrad.com and um, I think
0: It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
1: The big problem is who are you going to bring in if Löw stops working for the DFB? Uh, you know, I I know a candidate I would love to see. I mean, I would love <laughs> to see. I would love to see Jurgen Klopp. Um, but I <laughs> I have I don't think it's going to happen because Jurgen Klopp would be stupid to give up his project at Liverpool at the moment, right? So, uh, but he would be the only coach where I could see right now. The evolution that needs to happen, and it is an evolution. It's not a revolution. It's an evolution because. There is nothing wrong with the players. There's nothing wrong with player development. It just needs tiny little tweaks and changes, and that's the coach who you need to bring in for. But he's not available. So who are you going to bring in? Like Ralf Hasenhüttl an Austrian as a national team coach, that will never happen. <sighs> right. So.
2: Uh, do you do you feel like the, that's it for Jogi Löw, or is it like what 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 are the rumors there? Is uh, he, is it he, the chance he can stay?
1: He's uh, well. It's up to him. It really is. He just signed a new contract until 2022. Um, In hindsight, that was a big mistake, but that's what the DFB thought was the right decision to make. Well, and um, I think it's really just up to him. And um, I think it's 50-50 at the moment, Tim, whether he's going to stay or not. I think there's a good chance he will retire. But on the other hand, the national team position has defined his entire career. Is Is he going to go out with this? Or is he going to try to win the Euros in two years and then go out, right? Because, I mean, I I think changes need to happen, but I'm almost wondering if these changes need to happen around him rather him. I think the team management, Oliver Bierhoff, needs to go. There needs to be a bigger focus on football. All those, for lack of words, stupid ideas of social media, marketing, this best-never-rest, this fake de attitude, that all needs to go out of the window. It needs to be back to the Nationalmannschaft, the German team, the team, you know, it's not a global product. It's the, the fans are Germans, and it needs to go back to that. There needs to be a connect between German fans, the German country, and their national team, and that's been lost because it's been so overhyped and marketed and overblown and that needs to change it needs to be a more down-to-earth approach and there needs to be people around Joachim. Joachim Löw needs to maybe forcefully be surrounded with people that will force change on him and help him make make the right choices. I think that's um probably the best solution at the moment because I can't see any coach in the world that, that could possibly make this any better.
2: Yeah, I I, th- I agree with you. Like, uh, it's not the German way with all the marketing. It just sounds looks weird on Germany. It looks okay with like English team or maybe a, a USA team. But yeah, Germany is not the way. Germany is efficiency and really the focus, professionalism. Yeah. This is what the words which define Germany. And uh, you're right, it wasn't it wasn't the focus on football. I'm glad you're bringing up England because
1: they have been one for of the pleasant surprises for me at this tournament. I don't think they're going to win it, but they have been a pleasant surprise because for the first time that I've seen England at a tournament, they actually have focused on the football. They have focused Gareth Southgate. He's doing a quiet job. He's working with a bunch of young, hungry players. They're not the greatest, most talented squad. I mean, we saw that yesterday against Belgium. But, (laughs) they are focusing on what's relevant. And I think this is the first time ever I've seen an England national team do that at a tournament. Right? They're focusing on what's relevant. They're here to play football. That's it that's the end of the story right and how i mean it, this is this is crazy but we are currently talking about how germany should be looking at england on how to manage a tournament that's how that's how bad things have gotten been at this tournament for germany <laughs> no but because like they have really turned this national team into something that it isn't right in 2014 the german national team was loved around the world here they were laughing at the germans they were they, they the Mexicans the Argentinians the Brazilians they were all happy that Germany went out why because they believed the Germans believed their own hype it was fake it wasn't real back in the day we would be going into a tournament with a, a right portion of angst and fear that we might not go all the way and we or it would carry us all the way to the final with determinants. this team wasn't determined this team was a bunch of lazy millionaires like <laughs> premier league stars right and that's Maybe where we should stop talking about Germany and <laughs> and uh, go to what's relevant and which is the the games at hand because we have some good ones. <laughs> yeah,
2: that, that was uh, that was a section of a football grad podcast which we call Gegenpressing Edition.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but it's fair. I mean, this is the World Cup and um, <laughs> it's been it's been a hot topic. But um, Tim, I mean, we already talked about Russia against Spain, and that's going to be obviously one of the big games. Um, we also have France against Argentina, Uruguay against Portugal, Brazil against Mexico, mm. Belgium against Japan, uh, yeah, okay. Sweden against Switzerland, <laughs> Colombia against England. I mean, there's some really good games in that. Um, if you have to pick one and Russia against Spain is excluded, which one is the one that you're looking forward to the most? Because we talked about Russia against Spain.
2: Uh, I would say Brazil, Mexico. That should be an interesting game. And um, also france france argentina for some reason i don't know it's but but yeah the, the whole that whole side of the of the bracket is is just so tasty but just i think really just overall it's 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 a good tournament um, and yeah. i the the country which sorry i can't slowly go back but it, it will make sense. the biggest surprise for me uh besides russia was croatia and player of the group stage for me is a uh, Definitely Luka Modric. I was so impressed with that Croatian team. So, um, again, the game against Denmark, again, I will be watching with that angle. Mm-hmm. Um, so but yeah, the, the whole, the whole, the, the only kind of game which doesn't super excite me is Sweden, Switzerland, but yeah. still, it's, it's still, <laughs> still, still, still great game. So, um, my pick will be, as, as always, Brazil, Mexico, because I think it's going to be the game on fire. I, we have the stats. Uh, you told me that stat that the Mexico always goes out on the round of 16. Mm, that kind of stats gives you some history. But at the same time, you know, all the all the serious all the stats always gets broken. So interesting. Uh, and Mexico have, I mean, the, yes, let's ignore
1: the game against Sweden. But that game against Germany, they were good, man. Oh, sorry. Had a really yeah. good match plan. And uh, Brazil, I saw Brazil against Costa Rica and Brazil struggled. They really did. I mean, in the end, they won 2-0. But, I mean, the second goal was in the 97th minute, right, when Costa Rica were utterly broken uh, because they conceded one in the 91st. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to do against another CONCACAF side that is a little bit better than Costa Rica, right? Has very yeah. fast players in Carlos Villa and hearing Lozano. Hearing Lozano, by the way, one of the players that I want to point out. Uh, fantastic player. I really liked him in the... In in the first round, so I'm curious to see how Brazil are going to do there. Um, I am with you on Croatia, but I also want to point out that I have cro- had Croatia as my biggest dark horse to maybe even win the World Cup, and I, I, oh, I, I wow. I'm sticking with that because I mean I saw them against Argentina, and boy, that was um yeah that was that was quite something, and I mean Argentina resurrected itself from the grave. Um, like Diego Maradona, that country seems to have as many lives <laughs> as he does. Uh wow, <laughs> just wow. I mean, if you haven't seen the gif with him celebrating Messi's opening goal, <laughs> uh, I think the celebration even outdid Messi's goal, which was fantastic, by the way. But yeah, um, there was definitely little Ziploc bags with white powder going around in that uh, VIP box. Um, remarkable stuff. But yeah, that's that's a game I'm looking forward to. And um, I had the pleasure to see France play against Denmark at the Luzhniki, which I think is the biggest. <laughs> crime in football history since uh, the Pact of Guion, when Germany and Austria decided that a 1-0 was enough for both of them. Um, (laughs) This game was a farce, 0-0. They both knew 0-0 would be enough, so they basically passed the ball back and forth, the French and the Danes did. And... um, France is I mean Andrew has them down as his favorites if you're wondering where he is, he's probably stuck on a Latvian Kaliningrad border <laughs> at the moment. So hey hey Andrew, how's it going? Um <laughs> we'll have him back on later, I I promise. But yeah, France is his World Cup favorite. And I think they will go out in that game, Tim. I think Oh that, wow. I think Argentina is gonna blow them out. Um I blow blow them out, get it? Diego. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's just that's just the feeling I have. And um, I I think that's that's going to be really interesting to watch because um, who's going to stop Argentina after that, Tim?
2: You know, Argentina is a very interesting story. I spoke to Nico, um, who is also the Football Grad member and who is very knowledgeable about Argentina. And he told me I heard rumors that um, You know, there was a big disconnect between what Sampoli has been doing and between the players. It, because uh, before the tournament, Sampoli said that he will make a lot of sacrifices. And we know that he likes to play five defenders in the back. Yeah. And then he he said that. But then in the game against Croatia, he said, listen, players, we're going to go, we're going to play my way. And we all know what happened against the game mm-hmm. against Croatia. So he kind of back went back on the sword. And from what I understand what happened, then the players said, listen, Sampaoli, now we're going to play our way. They played the four in the back and they got the the game against uh, Nigeria. Yeah. So if you take a look at this, this, this whole group tournament really the authority of the coach has been really questioned and I'm really curious what will happen next because really like the co- the coach of the team, even if the team of messy, it's still the player like the coach who makes the decisions, the tactical decisions, the substitutes and everything else. But based on what happened in the last game it's really has been questioned. I have no idea what's happening right now in Argentina camp and relationship between the coach and the players. Uh, but that's why I'm interested. If if really the players have the full dressing room, they have the the power. Maybe that I don't know if you know. I don't think it's always a good idea when the players take the control. But at the same time, maybe that result with Nigeria. Help Sampoli understand, and maybe he's kind of on the player' side it's it will be very, very interesting um Nico had a lot of things interesting things to say, like what i'm saying now it 's kind of my thoughts and his thoughts mixed together, but, but that's why i'm thinking it's it's going to be an interesting game, and given like you said, the France hasn't been impressive, and maybe Argentina they will get like just the boost of energy from that decision and from the you know from the good result they get from Nigeria. I see what you say and I see where you're going with this. Like there is a, there is I see why Argentina might beat uh, might knock out uh, France.
1: Well, there is a there's a precedent for this. Um in 1974 when Germany won their World Cup, they of course they lost the game to uh East Germany, right? And after that, the players all got together and got drunk and uh, more or less decided that from now on they're going to make the selections. More or less Franz Beckenbauer, Paul Breitner, hones Vogts, all <laughs> those big guys, right? And they, they won the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes player power is a good thing. And maybe that's what's going to happen. I, I, I've been thinking about that a lot since, uh, I hear stories of Mascarano and Messi more or less making the team selections that, that yeah. sounded very familiar that they may more or less have gotten together and it's like, look, Jorge is a great coach. Um, but, uh, he tactically, it just doesn't work. So let's just, let's just get together, guys, and, uh, figure this out on our own, because that's basically what we need to do. So, I mean, we have a potential semi-final between Argentina, a quarterfinal between Argentina and Uruguay or Portugal, right? Uh, if they go yeah. through either way, that's going to be another tasty game. Um, but yeah, it just, Funny, really funny feeling that, I mean, this is the last time that Messi could win a World Cup. And, um, I don't know if I would really dislike the thought of Messi winning the World Cup. I think maybe it's just time for him to do it, right? Um, if, if any moment it'd be now, um, because I don't think he's, he's not going to be like Ronaldo uh, in peak conditions, um, at 33, right? we we remember, we forget about Cristiano Ronaldo that he's already 33 and he's been playing a magnificent tournament, but he's also a guy who takes extremely good care of his body. And I'm not sure if Messi is going to have that same, same kind of, um, staying power. I, I can't see a 34 year old Messi win the World Cup with Argentina, if you know what I mean, right? In Qatar. Um, I just, it's just, I don't, I don't see it. So I think this is possibly his last chance. So why not? Right, Tim? Um, why not?
2: Well, I I think he deserves to win the World Cup and I'm a big fan, like a big fan of all top players because yeah. I have unlimited respect for them. But the, yeah, like given that uh, Cristiano already won the Euro and he won one big title from his country, it's now Messi's turn, and I won't be too disappointed if Argentina and Messi plays against Russia and Golovin in the final and then the World Cup. I have no issues with that.
1: <laughs> so is that how far you're projecting Russia to go? <laughs> let, me, let me just uh, no. look let, let at the bracket. So it will be a quarter-final in Sochi, probably against Denmark, right? Um, <laughs> and then the semi-final... No, the semi-final will be against Argentina. Am I correct?
2: No, 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 no. The, 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 the Argentina was on the other side of the bracket. Nice. So that's why I'm saying we'll meet them in the final because we will... We'll win Spain, then we will Croatia and Denmark, and then we will win England in a dramatic semi-final, and then Russia plays Argentina in the final, and Messi can take it, no problem. Do you,
1: you think England is gonna get past Colombia? I'm not so sure.
2: I know, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if they will, I'm just, uh, just imagine the drama of the semi-final of the World Cup, Russia versus England. This is will be tasty.
1: Yeah, yeah you know, Before we end this podcast, Tim, let's just talk about the three lines cause yeah. we have talked about them quite a bit already but I mean as a as a positive example um and I think that Gareth Southgate in England yes they lost to Belgium um yes as a team I think right now they're not the best team but they have been a positive surprise in that they have really focused on the football and they are a likable bunch aren't they
2: yeah, and the thing because they they really they have quite a few young players which are exciting. They have a local coach which uh, uh, you know they had experiences with Fabio Capello, which wasn't the best in terms of just you know relationship mm. between the coach and the, the media and the players. Um, they have again like the young, for example, uh, Pickford, the the goalie, uh, young local player. What not to like if you're an England uh, fan. Uh, Again, like we have, they have all those young talented players, and they mostly like homegrown because they play. They they don't have any foreign foreign players. That's all they play at home. So, but I think I think this is the the likable team, and they don't have that you know the golden generation issue, like you said, the millionaires who were um, co- questioned all uh, about everything. I, rem- I remember hearing a story about uh, David Beckham in Korea, Japan, um, World Cup. It was impossible for him to focus on the football because he was just such a big, uh, role model because he, he, people would just, um, l- try to find him in the hotel and he could just couldn't focus on football. England right now doesn't have this big of a star and uh, they just really like a kind of working class team, which people like in England. And I think that's what, what, um, everyone likes about them because they're just really a proper football team like you said focused on football not focused on um taking selfies and the hashtags
1: yeah so can they go all the way
2: is that the question that i'm asking or is it going to be all over against colombia um i think this this year i have a little bit more confidence every year i say that england's not going to win the world cup and i don't think they will win the world cup this year but um maybe this time there this is the time that they can make it uh to
1: semi-final semi-final sounds good i think a lot of our english listeners would love to hear that
2: um I but think... i think see this is the issue with with countries like that england at this time they need to focus step by step there's no need no need to be in the world cup at this stage it needs to be step by step i'm confident in that
1: yeah all right and i think that's a good time to wrap this podcast up i, I guess we'll we will reconvene when this round is over. Um, hopefully with our not too lost. I, I have to really check where he is. He should, we should have <laughs> given him a GPS. We should have given Andrew a GPS so we could track him. Um, hopefully he'll be back on the pod. Um, Tim, what have you been up to? Where can people find you? Floor is yours.
2: Oh, well, it's, it's been a very hard time in Canada to watch all the games because, um, the earliest I woke up to watch a game, which was at uh, 3 a.m. Uh, it was two forty five a m so it 's the time difference it 's very you exhausted from traveling i 'm exhausted from waking up uh, every, every day so early, so I generally wake up at six o 'clock to watch the first game and that was has been my life for the past two weeks uh, but um people can follow me and find me on twitter at the russian tim sixty one and on instagram rocket from russia
1: yeah fantastic stuff, and please do that because you also have um had a special show before the World Cup about all the World Cup countries and their special punk songs, right? So um there's yeah. an article actually up on footballgrad.com where you can find that. And then, of course, you can find it on your Twitter handle as well, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, you can find me at Manuel Weff, and you can find everything I've been doing here at the World Cup Um the the diary the daily diary that I do a video diary I actually have to still go and do mine today so that's that's all going to be at either on the my Twitter handle at Manuel F and everything that we do article wise we have previewed every single World Cup game at this tournament and we have of course covered some of the games the Germany games and the Russia games also um, they are all at football grad live um, yeah that's it for for this week we'll be back as soon as possible as soon as we have the next stage wrapped up we'll come back and uh, recap all of that until then Dosvidani done.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.